As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! And tame, and tame again. Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! Part and parcel of the game. Sakir Starmer tries a for my sins and doesn't get away with it. Should fans also offer to go and pick up players that they want to sign? A rare full house of ignoring the outside noise goal celebrations? Can a racehorse down tools? Trying to pin down all the types of footballing stuff? Could resurgent ex-emo aces panic at the disco be about to renovate the language of goalmouth scrambles? And Richard Keyes' emotional weekend roller coaster? Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 226 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me on the adjudication panel today is David Walker. How are things? Yeah, very good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Bit of beef with uh, British Airways this weekend. More on that later. Alongside you for the adjudication panel is the very welcome Nick Miller. How are things? Uh, yeah, not bad. Not bad. I don't. I don't feel like significantly different after my fiftieth appearance last week. Mm. But maybe it just hasn't sunk in yet. Yeah, here's to the next fifty. Definitely a superb adjudication panel today. We are our cup runneth over still in 2023 with AP content. Let's start with this from listener Pitto, who'd like to. Hark back to a recent episode. He said he was listening to last week's adjudication panel about which division is best suited to tearing it up, Nick. He asks the parallel question, which is the most light-upable league? It surely has to be the Premier League, Pitto says. You can't tear up the Premier League, but you can certainly light it up. So I'm going to deduce from this theory that, that lighting up a division is, is more of an elite-level act than tearing it up. Yeah, like in the, in the spotlight kind of thing. Limelight of the world is on you or something. Does, yeah. that, does that make sense? I don't, yeah, sure. I guess so. Um, is lighting up a division, Dave, the same as shining in it? 
I mean, are they linked? Uh, you, you kind of sh- you shine at a World Cup. You shine at individual tournaments, maybe. You don't shine in a certain division. Maybe that's... Maybe, yeah. You shine like, at the World Cup in the... Uh, I like, like the up. idea of lighting it up in La Liga. That just works quite nicely. But I don't know if I... I can't think off the top of my head of any... You know, I can think of plenty of tearing it up, but I can't really think too many examples of lighting it it's up. lighting up the Premier League. I think it works. Yeah. Is lighting up, Nick, are you setting fire to the division or is it your own luminescence? I say I think it's your own luminescence. I think lighting up is more uh, emphatic than shining. I think yeah. uh, like a... A defensive midfielder can shine, but I don't think a defensive midfielder can light up. The yeah, shining is quite a casual thing, actually. It's quite low-key, lighting yeah. it up. Is this position-specific, Dave? Um, Nick suggests that a defender can shine, but what positions can light it, light a division up? Is this a kind of forwardy thing again, do you think? I think it's. I think it is the same, Electric. broadly, as, as tearing it up. Shining, I, th- shining I associate personally with something I've used a number of occasions when writing about a player that I actually haven't watched very much. <laughs> like yes. he, sh- he, he shone on loan at X, you know, team X or whatever. Yeah. Shining um, is kind of effortlessly proving your quality. Yeah. But in, yeah. not in any particularly tangible way. So not goals, not assists, just, just looking a step above your surroundings. Mm. Maybe that's what shining is or at least fulfilling your potential. Uh, maybe next up what could conceivably be a regular thing for us but it depends on the output of brian's gun the continuing genius from this unnamed montage maker two absolute classics recently but this was my favorite um, i had to trim it down such was its relentless brilliance no it's part and parcel of football to be honest with you but that's part and parcel of football you know it's part and par- parcel of football it's part and parcel of football part and parcel of football part and parcel of football part it's part and parcel of the game. And parcel of the game. That's part and parcel of pre-season. That's part and parcel, part and parcel of the 46-game season. That's part and parcel of the highest level. It's of- all part and parcel of it. South America, it's dive everywhere. It's part and parcel of it. Part and parcel of running a great business. Part and part and parcel of... Part and parcel of... That's part and parcel of being the manager of Newcastle. I can't actually remember if we've, dis- if we've discussed part and parcel before. I think we may have done, but I'm inclined to recap because I'm not sure what the common part and parcel elements of football are. What? Because I think it can be sort of really local things, like something that will happen on a pitch, and then sort of things that come with the job. So what's the standard part and parcel things of football? It feels like it's sort of not not a, like huge negatives, but an irritation yeah. that comes along with things. Like, I don't know. I think, I don't know whether they're just influenced by Steve Bruce's sad face at Newcastle being the last thing we saw on there but mm. it, it feels like fans getting on your back might be part and parcel of the job yeah ab- maybe ab- abuse and feedback and yeah. scru- scrutiny that's part there and you parcel go. scrutiny it? is very yeah very part it's kind parcel. of like a neutral term isn't it tension that's part and parcel of it isn't it it's like the the, the sort of the ups and downs you can't it can be just can kind of use as a catch-all term to just describe it, just any almost anything that is to be expected. A uh, fixture congestion could be part and parcel of uh, of life at the top of the Premier League. Maybe. Yeah, the fixtures coming thick and fast. That's that's just yeah. part and parcel of it. You got to roll with it. Okay, so our instinct, Nick, is that sort of bigger picture stuff, wider yeah. modern game irritations that you've just got to live with at the top of the game. But surely there are on-pitch things, like as I think Lineker implied in one of his little clips in that montage, diving. Is part and parcel of the game. So things like sort of ongoing on-pitch issues are part and parcel. Injuries are part and parcel, aren't they? Oh, injuries are extremely part and parcel, yeah. And kind of maybe um, specifically this season, muscle injuries might be very part and parcel of, the, of a season 
uh, interrupted by the World Cup and fixture congestion again, that kind of thing. Always enjoy the moments of the podcast, Dave, where we do say the same phrase over and over again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> has it lost its meaning yet? I think it has. <laughs> really is the core purpose of this podcast, I guess. But um, to back this up with some intelligent background, factitious podcast have got in touch, Dave, and says the origin of the phrase, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, is from the 14th century, although the earliest recorded usage was in 1585 in a Christian directory guiding men to their salvation. I wonder what part and parcel of Christian salvation is. Yeah, I'm just trying to think, you know, given um, my predilection towards trying to take this, this as literally as possible, what is the part and parcel? Like, what's, what's the part? <laughs> I could have looked, but I haven't. Um, not sure. Part and parcel. So component and indeed all the thing together, maybe. That's what it means. It's kind of part of the whole thing. It's part and indeed the whole thing. Parcel. We I all suppose. know what it means. Yeah. Until you interrogate it and it turns out we don't know what it means. Didn't really want to delay this any longer because it's time for For My Sins Corner. In, in a rivalry that's fast becoming the Ali Foreman to what Walker versus Eccleshare was, was the... Uh, Ali Frazier. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this edition of For My Sins Corner. Nick very much holding his own as a relative newcomer. That's good, game. actually. So I'm Muhammad Ali. Yeah, I was going to say you've done really great. well at that. Yeah. I anticipated yeah. your quiet glee about that, but that's just the way the uh, analogy crumbled, I'm afraid. So uh, I, 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 I'm going to go on not to be remembered, not for my uh, excellent record in For My Sins Corner, but for some you know meat-based products that uh, comes later on. Take that. Take yeah, it. I'll take it. Definitely take it's it. It's a big seller. Before we get into the game itself, hundreds of people got in touch with this one. Uh, this is ex-cliches ace Sir Keir Starmer on last week's episode of The News Agents. But I'll tell you what, Emily Maitlis isn't letting it slide. And uh, significantly reduced barriers to trade. Now... I went to, when I was, for my sins, I was the shadow Brexit secretary for three years. I went to Norway. I went to Switzerland for four days each and looked at their arrangements and came away thinking we wouldn't do that. And actually, they said to us, you wouldn't do this. I mean, Switzerland, for example, has had to amend their basic deal with the EU 200 times. Okay, what They're do you in mean? constant negotiation. What so do you mean need- for your sins? I mean, I know it's a turn of phrase, but do you mean you wish you'd never been the shadow Brexit secretary? Or do you mean it was just bloody awful? Like- it was really awful. You know, we had three years. There was a vote to leave the EU and no plan as to what that really means. Finally, that... <laughs> David Walker is journalism of the highest order, isn't it? Yeah. You can't just let these things slide. What do you mean? What does it mean? Take, take note, Ken Bruce. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean, for your <laughs> sins? Is that, you mean they're low in the league and you don't want to support them anymore? Okay. <laughs> um, take that to Greatest Hits Radio. Come on, mate. Yeah. Yeah, the bar has been raised. Great stuff from Emily Maitlis. Who do we think Emily Maitlis supports? I feel she's quite palacy, Dave. Mm, no, I think... She's, I would probably say she's Arsenal. You reckon? Yeah, I, I think she's North London. I think she's part of the North London metropolitan elite. Maybe a, a quick Google of this. A, a, well, interesting you say that, Nick. A quick Google of this. And it's fast becoming a kind of net worth style Google search, this sort of thing. Um, she does indeed support Fulham, uh, according to footballleagueworld.co.uk. Five celebs who actually support Fulham. Uh, that is not an official record, but... Um, but Nick, you were bang on the money. Are you going to be bang on the money, however, in this week's edition of For My Sins Corner? This came from Robert Dugmore and many others, actually, surprisingly, who were listening to Matt Edmondson's Radio 1 show 
on Sunday afternoon. The show apparently seemingly based entirely around the talking point of what happened to Mr. Blobby. (laughs) And uh, some clue as to his whereabouts was given by this caller. Now, you know the drill, of course. I just want you to shout for my sins when you think those eternal words will be uttered. Now, Dave, uh, listeners won't know about this, but I don't want you hovering your mouse cursor over the video to find out how long is left in the video. Mm. I feel like that gives you... You've cracked my secret code. Yes. (laughs) Hovering over the little video timeline progress bar um, to give some sort of clue. Uh, I can tell you, Dave Walker, that the length of the video is never an indication of when For My Sins will be uttered. Let's do the clip. Catherine, what do you know about Mr Blobby? Hello, Matt. Well, I I live with Mr Blobby. What are you talking about? Um, Mr Blobby is my partner um, whom I live with. Hang on a second. Not a sense. Your, no. Oh, your God. <laughs> is or was Mr. Blobby? Yes. In what capacity? He used to be in in the suit. I can hand you over to him if you <gasps> want. Oh, my God. Will he say more than Blobby? <laughs> well, I don't know. Some days it's difficult. I just get a lot of Blobby, 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 and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. What's Simon. his name? Simon. Both pop him gone, on. by the way. I'll pop him over to you. Hang on. Good afternoon. Although I'm contractually obliged to only say Blobby Blobby, obviously. Yeah, of course. Blobby, uh, sorry, Simon, it's lovely to talk to you. Uh, Simon, when were you Mr Blobby? I'm guessing the answer is the 90s, uh, but when and where? Uh, yeah. It was. I think it was early 92, 93. So uh, the original, there were more of us. I'm sorry, it gets even worse. But yeah, um, I, uh, Barry was the original guy who did the gotcha Oscars in the first season. And then when he opened up the theme park in Somerset, a couple of others like himself got involved. Okay, so you were a theme... Hang on, there was a blobby theme park? You don't know this. Uh, Cricket St Thomas, do you remember the To the Manor Born, the TV shit series? Well, the theme park was built um, on the side of that. So yeah, there was a theme park. Wow. Come along. Um, yeah, so, so we did that, did a few of the London shows, uh, a few adverts. Um, Noel's Christmas Presents, the Christmas show. Yeah. Probably around about September time, things like that. So, yeah, we were involved in lots of things like that. Right. And what, what do you do now, Simon? What's the oh, career progression go. for Mr. Blobby? Well, now I'm 85. Uh, no, I'm, uh, I now... I actually train cabin crew for my sins, but I'm involved in TV and radio, but, we, but we've got a little production company, but, yeah, for, for making a bit of money, we do cabin crew training. Incredible, yeah. Exits are on the blobby, blobby, blobby. If there's yeah. an accent, blobby, blobby, blobby. Exactly. Uh, fantastic. Incredible. Well, yeah, uh, full, I, once again, fooled by the... By the Quizmaster. I decided to go early today because in the last few uh, few rounds, I've sort of waited to the end and it has paid off sometimes. But I thought, no, just get out ahead of it early today. I thought I, I live with Mr. Blobby for my sins was going to be it. But yeah. Nick, what was yours? It was, oh, no, it was, a, it was nothing. It, I think it was, a sim- it was a similar thing, wasn't it? But it's it, it, similarly early on, but... Yeah. There was no pressure on you. There wasn't really that much pressure on you, Nick. I know. Yeah. Uh, it's the, 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 it's the, a classic case of the only pe- person that could have beaten me there was myself. It's like watching um, two horses crash out in the Grand National at early doors to leave a 500 to 1 outsider to take it. Elsewhere in that day, really enjoyed uh, the um, blobby suit wearer revealing that it was in 1992 93, like it was a season. <laughs> 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 you know, Mr. Blobby wasn't invented in 1992. Um, but yeah. <laughs> the, the final twist. I wonder who saw that coming. I wonder if, if there are any venerable For My Sins Corner um, participants out there who knew to wait until actual employment was stated. But yeah, great stuff. Your reputations remain unblemished in my eyes. It was, it was, a, it was a tough one.
which is a tough one. Okay, next up, Matt Booth was watching Match of the Day. And uh, as West Ham sealed their victory against Everton, um, Guy Mowbray had this description of Declan Rice going close. Rice is looking at Bowen here. Rice is looking at scoring himself. And he very nearly did. He's wondering how he didn't. He was only a grain of rice away. Matt Booth says, Nick, appreciate the effort here, given his name, but it doesn't sit well with me. Lick of paint, I understand. Whisker away, even better. But grain of rice, not for me, Clive. But it got me thinking, are there any food items you could use as an alternative? I'd personally use slice of bread. (laughs) Mm, No, slice of bread is too variable. Could be a small loaf, could be a big loaf. Yeah. What? What do you have? The bread flat? Do you have the bread? Yeah. St- stood up. That's no, I, th- true. I, I think it's the, the the thickness of the slices. Now I think that's that's implied. No. Yeah, how thick is how thick is a slice of bread? <laughs> yeah, but you can get a fair. Obviously, you have your doorsteps and 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 whatnot. But sorry, I just to step in here and adjudicate. I don't think anyone would infer that it was the width of the bread. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it rye bread or just that plain white? Indeed, yeah. too. But yes. Um, boy, boy. White or brown, who knows? Um, what about wafer thin West Ham? Wafer yeah. thin ham could have worked there. Feels even more contrived than rice, though. That but I mean, way, I mean we talk about the width of bread, thickness of bread dilemma. When he's talking about a grain of rice, Guy Mowbray, Dave, is it the length of the rice or the width of the rice? Perhaps that's more pertinent here. But also, I think like a grain of rice is so small. You'd almost need to like zoom in like they do on the extreme close-ups for the goal line technology. Mm. You know, just to really see. Just, it's, I mean, it is t- barely visible. Oh, and lick, of pa- lick of paint famously is uh, detectable <laughs> by the human eye well, from 50 yards yeah. away. I think that's, that, that's exactly why it works, doesn't it? Good it's, old Dave. It's, it's so close, it's almost an imperceptible distance away. So I think that's why... Yeah, that's why it works. Yeah, a grain of rice, Nick, not an not an unheard of unit of measurement. It's kind of used for kind of microscopically small things in wider society. That that it's the size of whales for microscopic things, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah. What what, what is some kind of um, insect or something? It's yeah. about the size of a grain of rice. Half the size of a grain of rice. Uh, but yeah, it can't have it for narrowly missing the goal, no matter how well. If it's with the player's name now, I think it's worse because of Declan Rice. <laughs> I, I, if he was just using it randomly, it's just a variation on the theme. I kind of wouldn't mind as much, but I'm annoyed by it because why do you need to do that? It's not a good pun. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's a variation on the theme that it would make absolutely no sense if it was Syed Ben Rama or something. Mm. So yeah, I think I, it, I yeah, think it's I'm, more excusable that it's a pun, Nick. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm, I'm to get out. I, I think Dave's so, in a very grumpy mood. I'm with I'm with Moby on this one. <laughs> fine, fine. Now on a related note, this is superb. Again, several people sent this in. Um, this is Laura Woods on Talk Sport with a twist on an old January transfer window classic, as she discusses the prospect of Declan Rice to Arsenal with co-host Ali McCoist. Ali, I would go and pick him up myself. I would, I know I would, you would. turn my car on. I would drive to I'd wherever he lives. I would pack his suitcases <clears throat> for him. Will you help me? Yeah, yep. brilliant. Put them in the back what of the car. A even even as a Chelsea fan, you'd help me out, nah, would you? I'm, j- I'm joking. In all seriousness, <laughs> what a signing he'd be for Arsenal. Oh, it'd be brilliant. What a signing he'd be for anybody. Nick, I've never heard anyone offering to go and pick up a player themselves. This is fantastic. We should yes, have you, this inversion of the classic. Usually using your, your own vehicle to take someone away. Mm. And I, I, I mean, obviously, the, the, the obvious detail that she goes into there as well, helping pack his suitcase. Turning the car on. 
turning the, turning the car on, yeah, yeah. Ma- making sure he's bought some spare shoes or something like that. Um, Dave, I think this does work as a kind of inverse of the classic because it's the same level of desperation for it to happen. It's the same instinct. It's the same transfer market impulse in a fan's heart, just you know, inverted. So I'm all for it. I think it works quite nicely. Sort of implies, like, and I suppose so does, so does the, the traditional inverse, implies that, that neither leaving nor incoming signing would happen without said journey <laughs> being offered. But that spot, is, you're picking holes in this one because you could just get the central line. Indeed. But also, like, the leaving one as well. It's like, ooh, can't send him to Southampton. The, if he's a Newcastle player, the, tr- the trains, you can't rely on the trains. Mm. We need someone to pick him up and take I him. I would be pivotal to making this move happen with my car, is what you're replying. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, Joe Barrow writes in with some similar objections. He says, the geography doesn't work for me. I don't know where Declan or Laura live, but considering the car journey from the Emirates Stadium to the London Stadium is a 10.5 mile round trip, I don't think Laura has to put that much effort in. Declan Rice probably wouldn't even have to move house if he signed for Arsenal. As a Newcastle fan, not saying we own the term, but offering to drive someone to London or the South Coast just to see the back of them gives the term a lot more gravitas. Nick, an extra twist on this. Joe Barrow lives in Hove. So if he was doing the driving of a Newcastle player he doesn't want, he'd have to drive up to Newcastle and then drive the player to wherever destination they would need, he would want them to go and then presumably back home again. That's, that's commitment. That would uh, definitely be a commitment. You have to go around the M25 as well. That's always a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Dreadful. Maybe Newcastle lend themselves most, Dave, to the driving him there myself phenomenon. I think so. But I think I think also it's obviously being offered to be picked up and taken to your new club by Laura Woods and Ali McCoist is a lot more appealing than being offered to being driven away from your club by some yeah. random fan. can imagine TalkSport turning that into content, actually. Yeah. can imagine, yeah. Um, is there any room left in the something in cars with famous people genre? There we go. We've just cracked it. We need to get the IP on that idea yeah. before someone takes it. Driving him there myself. We go and pick up <laughs> yeah. onto-way players and drive them to the new destination. Yeah. Um, if we don't do it, Peter Odom Wingy would, presumably. Um, there we are. Arsenal fans, fancy reliving that unforgettable win over Manchester United? Of course you do. Handbrake Off, the Athletic's dedicated Arsenal podcast, is the place to listen. Join Amy Lawrence, Michael Cox and myself, Adrian Clark, to talk sublime Saka, 50 points, Arteta, the win monster, and so much more. Just search for Handbrake Off on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. your ears by The Athletic. 
This is football cliches. Elsewhere in Europe, Gio Reyna playing in his first game since all the uh, US nonsense, sort of dream team level soap opera storylines from the USMNT. Scored the winner for Borussia Dortmund in a 4-3 win against Augsburg on Sunday. And uh, observer Henry Bushnell um, studied his goal celebration in great detail. Number one was the shush, the sort of to nobody in particular shush. Number two was the chatter-talking gesture. Number three, a cupping his hand to the ear. And then number four, fingers in his ears to not listen. <laughs> Nick, this is absolutely superb. I'm, I'm, I worry about the chronology. As, as incredibly comprehensive as this looks, I don't think I've ever seen a player do all four. How happy are we with the shush, then the chatter then the cupping of the ear, and then the finger. If anything, the chatter should come first, right? You, you probably want to do the cupping of the ear first, and then the chatter, <laughs> then the shush, chatter, shush. Then, the, <laughs> then the fingers in the ears. No, no I don't think No, but I don't <laughs> think the, sh- the, the fingers in the ears can't follow the shush. It's kind of like you're in control there. You've, you've got them on strings. <laughs> One minute you're telling them to talk, then you're going, ah, I can't hear you anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're goading them by <laughs> yeah. inviting them to talk and then saying, actually, I'm not listening, because that's yeah. more fun. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's the logical chronology of it. But if you are indeed wheeling away in Celebration Day, if you've just scored the goal, there's a bit of a controversy off the field. Instinctively, though, what are you going for? Because I feel like shush is the natural thing to do first. I'm, I'm going for ear, cu- ear cupping. Ear cupping first. You're wheeling away. It's a good wheeling away companion, actually, the ear cup. Cause it's yeah. Sorry? Sorry? Can't yeah, hear you. So it's, it's, there's a kind of... What? What? Then the shush, because you're back in command. Yeah. And then... I guess the chatter is more of an explanatory thing, isn't it? Because like, oh God, maybe they don't know what I'm talking about. It's the chatter I meant. <laughs> and then finally fingers and ears. Yeah. Because mm. yeah. you would never do fingers and ears first, Nick. If you're wheeling away, having scored a, the winner in a seven goal thriller as well, you would never put your fingers in ear first. You'd never no. do that first. Oh, well, uh, Morgan Gibbs-White did that. Um, uh, that was his go-to recently when he scored a very poor penalty, just kind of crept in. For Forest against Wolves in the Carabao Cup, he straight right in front of the Wolves fans, and the fingers went straight in ears. Did, did he accompany with any of the other three components? I, I don't think so. Although it has been now become a bit of a thing, like him. It's and- not as good though, is it? It's like just blocking out the noise. It's like it's no, there's no fun in that. Ear cupping is far superior. That's for sure. Yeah, but the the ear cupping seems to have like expanded in definition recently. Yeah. I've seen a lot of ear cupping to to, to players' own fans. Mm. When I'm sure, didn't Eddie Nketiah cup his ears yesterday when he scored yeah. the first goal? I think. I mean, who is he cupping his ears to there? I mean, is is the unless he's changing the definition of like louder? I can't hear you. Come on. Could, Which you could, could interpret the ear cup, Dave, not just as a, oh, what you saying now. You could interpret it simply as a, what do you think about that? Let's hear it. Are you not entertained? Kind of a parallel of that. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I think that's spot on. Because someone like Inketia, who obviously there's there was quite a bit of talk about him not being able to fill the, yeah, the space left behind by Gabriel Jesus. He's sort yeah. of going, sorry? Only- was he, what was that? I can't. Can't hear you. You still saying it? <laughs> Not always to the fans, is it, Nick? It could be just you know to the watching public. I think that's what it is in this instance. Yeah, it's actually more increasingly common for it to be that as mm. opposed as opposed to it being direct to the people right in front of them in the ground. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, it's more of a performative act than a in the moment. You literally in front of me, shush. Speaking of deconstructible goal celebrations, Jacob writes in. Nick says, "How do we feel about Jared Bowen sucking two thumbs?" 
to announce that he's expecting twins. How do you do it for triplets? <laughs> now, before we get to that point, the age-old issue is that he tucks the ball under his shirt to um, signify the pregnancy of his partner with twins, but then also sucks his thumb, which is obviously something that doesn't happen until the baby itself is born and probably well into uh, toddlerhood anyway. So there was no need to combine them anyway. That that We've established that in previous episodes. But yeah, the question is, if he was having triplets, what on earth would he do? Get a teammate to stick a thumb in as well. <laughs> Maybe have a false thumb in tucked in his sock, like Facundo Sava in the, uh, in the mask. Just sounds um, like a right old faff, Dave. I mean, triplets enough is enough work. Yeah, you can't be anything other than a thumb, can it? You couldn't, you couldn't involve another finger. That just Jack gets Clemmer weird. coming in with a spare thumb. Go on, go on mate. <laughs> I think thumb, but... Thumbs in his ears for anybody who says he couldn't be a dad. <laughs> Maybe you but, could hold up two but... fingers for twins. That would be it. But then people might think you're celebrating your second goal of the game. These things are so complicated. Or second child, perhaps. This is. Yes. I think this is very much emphasising that this is, you know, this is, this is, this is twins. Yeah. You're going... Pregnant, uh, and it's two. It's twins. There you go. It's like I suppose it's like charades, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In Germany, they don't call them triplets unless you've ha- you've uh, had them all in the same half of the game. Good one. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, now people thought that Liverpool nil, Chelsea nil was a drab encounter. Nick, not so. Plenty of worms spilled out of this can. First up, handsome bastard wrote in. Says Darren Fletcher has just said Benoit Badiashile is still waiting for his first Chelsea goal. He's a central defender in his second ever <laughs> appearance for them. Surely still waiting is reserved for forwards and other players with at least a season's worth of appearances. This is way too early, right? Two two games would be is, is far too early even for us for a, like a big money centre forward. I think, yeah. isn't it? Okay, yeah. so so which way should we approach this, Dave? If you were a big money forward. And you'd started both games. Would it would it been acceptable then? I'm saying no. How many games constitute still waiting for your first goal as a striker? I think starts come into it as well. Yeah. If you've only just been coming off the bench, it's probably a little bit less applicable. But uh, I don't know. What do you reckon? Five? Or do we need to get into double figures? Ooh, no, I think double five. figures because that's no. a real issue, then, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. For, for double figures is like Fernando Torres territory, isn't it? I think yeah. four. I think four. Four or five, I think yeah. that seems fine. Because it's not just when he'd been when he'd been expected to score, Nick. There's a kind of onus on a new striker mm. to break their duck pretty quickly. So you factor yeah. that in. I think four is about. I mean, I think that might even be too long. Actually, that's six think, hours of football. It, because if the first one, first one's free. You can you on your debut. You yeah. can you're getting used to it. Second game, I think you would be expected to. Right, he didn't score in your first one. He'll be hoping to get. We're hoping to get off the mark today. Mm. If he doesn't, I think the third game is when the the questions start to be asked, I think. So in the fourth game, you'd say still waiting? Yeah. Okay. So after three, then the fourth. But what about a centre-back, Nick? It's probably a good 40 or 50 games, isn't it? Yeah, a, se- a, a season as well. A season, like a, season yeah. A, a season's when you start noticing that the centre-back hasn't scored. Yeah. And even then, Dave, it would be only because they've come up for a couple of notable set pieces and nearly scored. Otherwise, yeah. realize, so or if they Or if they arrive with the track record of being a goal-scoring centre-half. Yeah. But they might be someone like, I don't know, Rob Holding or whatever, who's like scored once in his whole career. Yeah. And it doesn't really... You should never really say it at all. Uh, maybe, if the, maybe if they're a famously like penalty-taking centre-half... And they missed missed one without now. That's a different thing, isn't it? That's, yeah. yeah, that is another whole layer. Yeah, you've got ring fence penalties from all this nonsense, haven't you? Yeah, it did indeed end nil nil. 
And BT Sport wrap things up with this tweet. It ends all square in a tense affair here at Anfield. A point apiece sees Liverpool move into eighth place, whilst Chelsea remain rooted in tenth. Nick, even allowing for what is unfolding into a kind of casual version of the Mourinho season, um, you can't be rooted in tenth no matter who you are. I suppose if you're re- being really, really, really generous to them, they're rooted t- to the bottom of the top half of the table. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that at all. But no. I don't like that at all. No. You, you, they're languishing though, Dave. That's It's just it's a textbook languish. I think so. Yeah, definitely a languish. Now, we've spoken about this a lot recently on this podcast, Nick, but... Um, Martin Samuel, who has joined the Times, by the way, in the sort of Ken Bruce-style changing of the guard in the journalistic ranks on Fleet Street. His piece from the weekend was headlined, Whisper It Quietly, that <laughs> Chelsea could be putting together a title-winning team. Um, Peter Bernstein writes in and says, this is a classic case of whisper what no one else is whispering. <laughs> because this is, Has he gone too early, is, is the summary here? Has he gone too early with Chelsea are building something? Well, all I would say about this is genuinely, this morning... And I was reading, I was, re- I was reading something on on the Athletic, and it just gave me a little thought in my head about Chelsea. And I did have a look at the odds as to how what how what the odds are for them to get into the top four. Oh, okay. Because actually, whisper it quietly, they've got a hell of a team. I would accept Chelsea sneaking into the top four as a whisper it quietly candidate right now, Nick. But I, I, I they still need a, a relatively statement win. Or any win, really, don't they? I don't think you need a statement win for Whisper It Quietly. You need a, 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 like three or four low-key wins, like you know, two and two and all against Palace or something like that. Yeah. In which in which some of the new signings score or contribute or something. An um, element of Potter's philosophy being bought into as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. it goes beyond results, doesn't it? Because something needs to be happening down there at Stamford Bridge for you to whisper it quietly about. But yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, the threshold may well be met soon. Um, elsewhere in goalless draws news, uh, Crystal Palace nil, Newcastle nil on Saturday. I can't corroborate this. I wasn't watching, but Josh writes in and says, uh, Sky's Dave Jones described Newcastle versus Palace as very goalless during half time. <laughs> Yeah. I'm trying to think of the context in which that might have happened. I mean, I kind of like it if it just meant this is a really, really goalless draw. Like, there's nothing is happening. This is that very nil nil. Yeah, it's yeah. it's 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 like in the same family as we were lucky to get nil. Oh yeah, I do like that. It's charming, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I do like. Okay, well, we'll let him off then without further context. Chris Cork writes, and he was listening on uh, Five Live, Dave, and said so Ray Houghton was on co-commentary and described Nick Pope as, a, as being a passenger during the first Ooh. half of Palace versus Newcastle. We can't have this, can no. we? Goalkeepers cannot be passengers in any way. Even an injured goalkeeper who's sort of clinging on sort of Bert Troutman style couldn't be a passenger. Yeah, because a passenger is a pejorative thing. Yeah. It, it is somebody who the rest of the team are doing well or doing their jobs and we are carrying you along for the ride because you are failing to do the thing that you should be doing. The goalkeeper, having had nothing to do, that's fine. Nothing's happened for him to, to, to exert himself. OK, two questions here, Nick. Um, first of all, so to nail this down, passengers are only players who are basically contributing nothing. That They are either by definition, they're kind of luxury players or literally in that game, they are being carried. Doesn't it, Does injury come into this at all? Can you be a passenger because you're injured? No, because if, you, if you're injured, it, you, 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 yeah, as, as Dave suggested, you, it's a bit of a let off, isn't it? You can't. Right. If, if, if a passenger, very much a pejorative, if you're injured, that's not really your fault. If you're really kind of, really wanted to prove the point, what if a goalkeeper made a series of gaffes that uh, defenders are kind of bailed him out of? Like, 
you know, cl- clearance is off the line, that kind of thing. Could you could you argue that he's a passenger then? <laughs> what an extreme set of circumstances that would be. <laughs> no, because I guess, I mean, yeah. I, I like it. I, well, I see where you're going with it. If he kept giving the ball away, the... like tr- tr- kept trying to play out and kept passing and the defenders yeah. had to clean up, maybe. Maybe, yeah. but I, I think, I think you, you're into yeah. kind of, you, you, yeah, you're into, you're into calamity clown territory rather than yeah. passenger. Being a passenger is inherently benign, isn't it? Yeah, passenger feels like the kind of thing that you don't you only notice either af- after the game or oh, was he like, playing? No. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's been a passenger out there today. Yeah. yeah. Exactly yeah. that. So, um Chris Cork's follow-up question, Dave, is what do we call goalkeepers who've had little to do? There's two options here, I think. Spectator, virtual spectator. It's very important to cl- <laughs> uh, to Add that on. Virtual spectator or virtual bystander. Uh, are they the same? They are, aren't they? It's a bit of virtual bystander. Virtual spectator is better. Yeah. M- more effective. Bystanders just too associate- associated with innocent. Innocent bystanders. Innocent bystander, or- which doesn't really work for a goalkeeper. Uh, and, and, and spectators also, the, the implication that they could literally be sitting in the stands and it wouldn't have made a difference. You don't, you're not a bystander at a football game. Yeah, uh, bystanders are also sort of nameless voices in sort of incident pieces in tabloids. A bit like pals. Pals yeah. and bystanders are very useful people uh, when it comes to uh, localised scandals. In other Newcastle news, one tweet read that Adidas are in talks with Newcastle United to return as their kit suppliers. Adidas representatives have watched the EFL Cup quarterfinal win over Leicester City. <laughs> what are they doing there? Um, Adam <laughs> writes in and says, not having this. It's not a scouting mission. <laughs> 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 Why would you? Why did, I don't know. I just find it very but, funny. Uh, are Leicester Adidas? Yeah. Oh, maybe are. that would explain it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> just happened to be there. Just I happens. think that makes they, it fun. They went, they went there to watch Leicester, but then they bloody hell, this Newcastle, we've got to yeah. get them signed up. <laughs> Quick. Don't let them leave the stadium. Oh, dear. <laughs> just assessing the size of the task on the corporation's hands, Nick. The new it- Italy are now Adidas, and they're. Surreal. Which is dreadful. Are they? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, look, look at their new kit. It looks like a Leicester shirt. It's so it's weird. Kind of, I, I you can't have, have three stripes with you on a... On a no. Yeah, yeah. They've got yeah. three stripes on an yeah. Italy shirt. Three stripes on an Italy shirt. Oh, my yeah. God. It's awful. I've walked, I walked past an Adidas store this weekend and I saw it in the flesh and I, 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 I felt physically sick. <laughs> and I, I don't care about kits that much, but it just felt so wrong. It felt really wrong. It's, it's a nice kit, but it doesn't belong to Italy, Dave, at no. all. No way. That is, that is really, that is sacrilege. Who mm. should be making Italy's kits? Kappa. Lotto. Kappa, Lotto, even Nike. Diodora. No, just, that's pushing it, isn't it? They're probably yeah. owned by Sports Direct. They're probably one of those brands you think are cool. It turns out <laughs> they're just part of the Sports Direct umbrella, like Slazenger. Not cool yeah, anymore. You have to have some prestige. Yeah. And some style about it. Dave is doing the pinchy thing with his fingers almost instinctively because it's Italy. I think it's, de- I think it's definitely Kappa because it also has that, that element of like the old stereotype of Italian blokes just looking in, in stylish yes. where, if they're wearing something that you would look awful in. Mm. Those Kappa shirts are so sort of skin tight that any non-athlete looks absolutely dreadful in them, but the Italy players looked amazing. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's a scandal, frankly. And until we see them wearing it in a competitive match, I don't think the wider world are really going to understand this. Um, next up, Jordan Nugara writes in and said, "Had soccer Saturday on, and in the background of a report from Southampton versus Aston Villa, I could hear a set of fans singing this about Danny Ings. See if you can make it out." Leave off uh, Ramsey. He goes down the right hand side. Wendy is getting on the ball. He's picking up pockets of space, and he sends it out wide to Bailey. He, he, he runs at uh, Sally Sue. He then pulls a cross back to 
Jacob Ramsey, right foot, he hits it down to the left-hand side of Bazooka. So, Nick, those fans were singing Danny Ings, he left because you're shit, uh, which is a kind of autopilot post-transfer chant, bit of opportunism for your opposition fans. But Jordan Nagara has a couple of questions about this. Number one, Danny Ings has just been sold by Aston Villa to West Ham, but Aston Villa had signed him from Southampton. Was the chant being sung A, by the Southampton fans jeering Aston Villa for losing their striker this week, or by the Villa fans in response to them signing Ings from Southampton in 2021? I've never heard, I've never, I've never even conceived of this situation before. I guess it's A, but it's still funny. B would be a, an incredible delayed reaction. Hmm. <laughs> Must be yeah. A. But you could still use it against them, Dave. It would still be valid. I think that would only be slightly more ridiculous than Charlie's suggestion a few weeks ago that... No, who was it? Someone was taunting Ivan Tony about a loan spell he had at Newcastle about <laughs> seven or eight years ago. Something um, like that, yeah. But, it, it, yeah. I mean, obviously the most annoying thing about this is Danny Ings does not scan into that chant. And yet... That boy, Danny Ings. <laughs> Daniel Ings? No. <laughs> that boy... Yeah, it's like the uh, Olympic gymnastics getting yourself back into the corner move of a football chant. But 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 mm. so Southampton, so we just, Southampton fans singing it to Aston Villa fans. Danny Ings, he left because you're shit. If it doesn't work, I'm any level. He left because they let him go because he's shit doesn't in their matter. eyes. Doesn't matter. No, I don't, I don't, the chant I don't matter. doesn't care about that. It doesn't care. They've <laughs> noticed that it, that player left, and it's because they were shit. And being shit. Is the most need to be proved concept no, I, in football. I get that, but, but you you do want the chant does want to rankle with them a bit. Okay, does it? Does it not? And they, they aren't bothered. Rid of him, I don't think suggesting. they care that Danny Ings has left. I don't think he's. I don't. If you're if you're trying to really get at them, needle them, there'd be less. What are you on about, mate? We don't care. So Jack Grealish left because they're shit. That would be that would be much more applicable. Is it, is it not more uh, kind of an element of just throwing? In, Shit against the wall and seeing what sticks. With 100%. These chants, of course it is. Because you, you, yeah, you just, you, yeah, Danny Ings. Did, did I like Danny Ings? They might have liked Danny Ings. Yeah, I don't know. You let's, can't let's be give sure. it a go. Yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's black and white this situation at all. I, I feel like there might be some Villa fans who had some affection for Danny Ings and thought he was a latent goal threat. He, the sort of if you want the ball to fall to someone kind of affection. <laughs> That, at least that. So yeah. it wasn't it wasn't a shot in the dark. And I suppose in their eyes he is they they would hold him in high standing. Mm. The Southampton fans. Yeah, so. maybe that helps. Yeah, maybe that helps. Next up this came from Darren Richmond, who, well, to summarise, Jesse Marsh is doing it again. He's ruining it, albeit via BBC Radio Five Live Sports News Roundup. Leeds boss Jesse Marsh says he wants to build on Friday's defeat to Aston Villa in the Premier League and called that their best performance under him so far. Can you build on a defeat, Nick? Yeah, I think so. You can Ooh, build. Oh, okay. Well, m- maybe the word okay. the, the the wordings. I went a bit Ben Foster there, didn't I? I'm annoyed by that. I'm annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Fozzy. <laughs> you can build on a in the performance in a defeat. No, I see the sentiment. You're building on a bad foundation. You want to build something on solid foundations, and a defeat is not. not no, you know, you know, if you if played well and got a little bit unlucky, which by all accounts positive, you can't build on a defeat. Doesn't matter what happened. No, there's nothing there to build on. It's just that, that literally, Dave. I'm with you now. I agree. You can't you know, build on it. You, you can take lessons, you can take positives, but you can't build on it. It doesn't matter how well you played. It might have been a last-minute win for them off a centre-forward's ass. You still can't build on it, Nick. I disagree. I think you can build on it. I mean, you know, the, 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 whatever you're building might fall down, but you can, you can still build on it, I think. 
there's the Premier League manager in you there somewhere, <laughs> isn't there? I, I, I expect a few listeners will side with you. Right, Gareth O was just watching a live stream from Off the Ball Sports where they discussed a few of their least favourite football commentary cliches. The usual suspects like Game of Two Halves and 110%. Now, I have to say, I listened to this segment. It didn't enlighten me particularly, but I understand why certain podcasts like to discuss it. But, Gareth O says, a few minutes later, on the subject of horse racing, this happened. Uh, my friend Paul Byrne, rather, his horse, Mr. Incredible, running a blinder um, in one of the big races in England, saying he might have another national prospect. Paul, of course, sold the winner of the national uh, last year, Noble Yates, and uh, Mr. Incredible was a horse shitty who had sort of almost down tools for his previous connections, but they, he, I think he went at the first in the Paddy Power, but they seem to have um, reignited his spark, and um, yeah, exciting times for Paul. A horse down in tools. <laughs> Actually, the more I think about it, Nick. And the more I see your little face, I actually do like it. Because oh. horses kind of, they have a mind of their own, right? They could down tools. But what tools are they downing? <sighs> their shoes? I don't know. <laughs> Ripping off their saddle going, fuck this. Well, if they're a cart horse, yeah. <laughs> they can detach themselves from the cart. The horse was called Mr. Incredible, Dave. Downing tools, like a luxury horse. Not putting it, not Just putting it in anymore. Just sulking. sulking, yeah. Just sitting Doing a hazard 2015-16. Sitting in the stables, just lying down, not coming out. <laughs> Refusing to race. Not even poking uh-huh. his head out of the box. <laughs> Downing really tools. enjoyed that. Yeah. Really found that much funnier than I should have done. Good. Glad to hear it. Luke Howells, meanwhile, was watching uh, Crystal Palace versus Manchester United last week and uh, witnessed David De Gea pulling off one of his super saves. Police Edouard. Really enjoyed that's fingertip stuff from Alan Smith. Luke Howells asks Nick, what other things can be shouted as stuff in the same <laughs> way? What are the vague footballing stuffs of the modern game? It's quite a versatile thing, isn't it, stuff? But it's sort of a general... It's like this is a good example of some general thing. Would you go call it like level, like that's Champions League stuff or something? Like levels of... The highest standards of football? I don't know. I would say the most mundane example of stuff is like when you're talking about a manager down in League One and says, his team are playing some good stuff. Oh, I see what you mean. So that's, yeah. that's, your, that's your most bread and butter stuff. But I think in this example, where Alan Smith is saying that's fingertip stuff, that's a different thing. It's kind of, it, that's, I don't know, it's, it's hard to describe, but textbook stuff? That is textbook stuff. Yeah, that's, that's textbook stuff. I've heard that. I sort of almost associate it more as a pejorative, though. Like, it, that's League One stuff. <laughs> you could use it like that, I guess. Amateur stuff. stuff, I don't know. It's a hard one to wrestle with. I really can't get my, my head around it. But I know what it means, and I know what it's kind of used in, but it's hard to actually describe what it is. Fingertip stuff and textbook stuff, I think, are the best two. I can't think of any Last others. Last ditch stuff? That's real last ditch stuff. Yeah, I think that that's sort of desperate just about stuff. Looks. This is desperate stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the more you say it, the greater it becomes. Uh, Luke Howells, I'm sorry we couldn't get there, but we will try. I'll think about it some more. Uh, next up, Diet Dr. Burpsy was watching highlights of Bayern Munich's 4-4 winter break friendly draw against Red Bull Salzburg. And he thinks he has stumbled across a... Finally stumbled across... A modern successor to Keystone Cops. A big chance for Salzburg. Double, triple chance. And they grab the lead to make it 2-1. 
And Karim Konate celebrating as it was panic at the Discord in front of Sven Ulreich's goal. Was able to hold on to it once after it hit the crossbar, but just not the second time. Are either of you familiar with the discography of Panic at the Disco? Uh, vaguely. Not, yeah, vaguely, yeah. They seem to sort of span a couple of... They seem to be really big, sort of 2006, 2008, Nick, and then they yeah. seem to have made a sort of resurgence in the in the kind of plaudit sense. So we're talking about a sort of 2006 to 2018 span. I mean, that's good news for the updating of Keystone Cops. Definitely one of those bands that... When they came around again, I was like, do people like them that much? Okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah, exactly. I'm, but, I'm stunned that they had some sort of resurgence. I had no idea. How do you feel about the, the actual phrase itself, panic at the disco? I think it's quite evocative about a goal scramble and last-ditch kind of bodies being thrown in the way. It's good. And panic at the disco is more evocative of a goal scramble than Keystone Cops ever could be to someone who didn't know what it was, Nick. So if anything, this has serious potential. Yeah, if, if you had no cultural like references to either of them, or you, you, you didn't know what either of them were. You'd you'd know what was meant when they said panic at disco. But if you'd never heard Keystone Cops in that context, you just you wouldn't know what it means. So, what yeah. others? Could you could you use others? Any other sort of songs or bands or anything? It's a it's a terrible tackle. That look, I mean, really, that's murder on the dance floor. Oh, I knew floor. you were going to say murder on the dance floor. <laughs> I knew you were going to say murder on the dance floor. I could see the cogs going in your head. And you, I thought you, I, I thought he was going to say, I don't know. But yeah, murder on the dance floor. <laughs> I don't know, does that, does that evoke the same sort of thing? Oh, there's murder on the dance floor there. It's, it's like a penalty incident. You can see there, just there, he catches him with his with his trailing foot. That's murder on the dance floor. It's a penalty. Um, yeah, could work. Could work. Yeah, fair enough. Panic at the disco. I'm all for it. Enough of that nonsense. It's time for Keys and Grey Corner. Sunday. First up, everyone's seen it, everybody knows what's coming, and I think this is a great moment for the narrative arc of this particular element of Keys and Grey Corner. It's justice for Richard Keys. Well, that's you, that. Nothing Highlighting to do with me. it. It's him. Yeah. Behaving like that. He's just I'm not sitting listening. here three and a half thousand miles away. Nothing yes, to do with have. me. What influence do you have, fella? Thank you, Andrew. Yeah, mate. <laughs> He's got him. He's got his man. <laughs> Richard Keyes has finally got Mikel Arteta booked for leaving his technical area. Dave, what a what a weekend! Well, you say you say that he's that he got him booked for leaving his technical area. I what noticed happened? this on Sky because I think he was already out of his technical area, and then he ran back into the technical area to have a go at the fourth official. Well, like getting arrested when you come back into a country. <laughs> 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 All this kind of I don't know exile outside of his technical area, Nick, and then finally he, he's going to face he's going to face the authorities, and that's it. Get his booking. Do you think? Do you think the uh, I, I didn't see it? Did the fourth official point to various technical areas around the country? <laughs> it's like a totting up process. <laughs> well, I mean, ironically, that's what that is literally what Arteta was booked for. He was holding up four fingers. He was saying four times, four times. That is so good. That is so, so good. Um, Do you think this is the end of it, Nick? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) No, Keezy's not going to rest until Arteta is driven out of the game. He was asked about it. Um, Shrevesy asked him about it after the game. And Arteta gave him a what can only be described as a wry smile and said that um, you can always improve in life. You can always learn lessons. So we'll we'll see. I mean, like... 
You can understand why Arteta is taking this stance about it, Nick, no matter how much um, is flying at him from Qatar, because uh, it's a victimless crime, the stepping outside your technical area. I mean, I, I realise the, the possibility that Keyes has raised of a manager accidentally tripping a player, um, that scenario. But other than that, no, it, it's not even... I suppose there's a setting example to the kids aspect, though, isn't there? Yeah, there was, as someone... someone replied to me on Twitter saying someone couldn't take a throw in because he was uh, I think I think the I think the phrase was leaping around like a toddler. <laughs> uh, I think Keezy? Yeah. I you? think as this title race continues and we've got a lot of games to go, I think Keys may well return to this. Um that's that's indeed if he is allowed to return to it because he may be stranded somewhere because of this. Hmm. His tweet early hours of Monday morning, I booked to fly with the world's best airline, Qatar Airways tagged in for a reason i turn up to be told i'm flying british airways that's like buying a rolls and being given a smart car no info no apology no compensation poor guys really poor guys he's called (laughs) qatar airways guys (laughs) i i I don't buy that he wouldn't have uh that the the information wasn't there it's a co-chair it's uh, everyone knows about this. They're, they're part of the same family. Coaches are underwhelming. Yeah, they, they are, but you, you you know when you book the flight, you know about them. It, t- it says it on the thing. Uh, Still got know. on the plane though, didn't you? <laughs> that's true. Didn't have to get on the plane. You could have. You could have voted with your feet, but that's the problem. <laughs> they just keep turning up. Yeah. In a rare turn of events, Dave, I am firmly with Keezy on this. My British Airways flight this Sunday was cancelled out of nowhere with three hours notice and uh, I was supposed to go to Heathrow I had to fly to City I had to fly to City Airport it's like getting your, it's like getting a match move from the Burnabout to that tiny little stadium instead <laughs> um, found it quite annoying actually uh, as useful as the DLR is to get home uh, from an airport uh, but, I, but yeah that was my key me and Keezy both facing flight delays and cancellations of some sort on the same weekend much smaller airport much easier to, to get through passport control though, yeah no? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was flawless experience. I just got there home a lot later than I wanted to. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, I hope he's got a compensation claim in like I have through the first <laughs> company they could find on Google to do it all for them. Let's see who gets their money first. I'm sure he'll put it in his blog. Brilliant, brilliant stuff on the adjudication panel today. Thank you, Dave Walker. Thank you. Thanks to you, Nick Miller. Thank you. I look forward to the next For My Sins Corner. Things are really hotting up in that arena. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back late on Thursday, I believe, with Mesut Harland Dicks. The Athletic.